the money, the resources that uh, people have sent because you, Lord, stirred their, their hearts. And uh, there's a, this is a big project worldwide, all the, the shipping and getting things through, uh, through customs over borders, uh, the transportation. Uh, what, a, what a big thing, Lord. But uh, we, you, you've told us in your word that if we acknowledge you, you'll, you'll direct our path. So we, we just pray, Lord, for the path that these boxes are going to take. And for the, uh, the kids who will receive them, Lord, I just pray that uh, they would uh, be led to you through these boxes. Lord, that uh, many of these kids, we pray for all of them, would just know that uh, you are a, a God who, who loves them, that Jesus died for, for them, and that Jesus came to uh, give them an abundant life. So, Lord, we, we, we dedicate these boxes to you for your kingdom, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lori. Children's Church. There they go. So, so last last time we talked about uh, you know God has blessed us so that we can bless others, and one of the things He talked about was how how we should respond properly to those who who cause us suffering. And we heard that uh, you know we're not we're not to repay evil for evil, insult for insult, uh, reviling for reviling. But you know when when somebody's malicious towards us, we we suffer. That's the reality. And, and it happens to, to all of us, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, in our, in our flesh, we many times would, would like to see the other person suffer as a result of them causing us suffering, but uh, that's the way of the world. That's not the way of God. And in today's text, and as we continue on in 1 Peter chapter 3, we, we continue talking about this theme that's in first peter one of the one of the many themes and that is suffering and uh you know we all ask why does why does god allow us to suffer that's that's something that people have struggled with for as long as people have existed you know there there are many causes of suffering you know we uh we might bring it on ourselves we you know we might we might be caught up into some sort of catastrophe you know, like a natural disaster, a, a car accident. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, we might suffer because of illness. The, the list goes on. It's a very, very long list. But one type of suffering can be especially hard on us, and that's, that's when we suffer by the hand of, of someone else. And, and, you know, it's especially hard when we feel like what we're, what we're doing is right. We're, we're doing good, and yet, Yet somebody is uh, responding in a way which which causes us pain. And today's text talks about this this type of suffering. It's called persecution. And Peter is going to address suffering again next chapter, chapter four. And uh, we'll talk about suffering more 
when we when we hit that in a more general sense. But this is really about persecution. I read recently of a pastor who on Saturday, September 11th, just this last September 11th, uh, Islamists ambush him, ambushed him and killed him on the road in uh, Kaduna State, Nigeria. And the, uh, the pastor had visited his son at a local university, and he was traveling home when the attackers confronted him and killed him. They, they butchered my husband and took his motorbike, his wife said, and then the Islamists used the motorbike to travel into the pastor's community where they attacked and killed others. And the pastor leaves behind his, his wife and their five sons. You know, senseless tragedy, but this is, this is happening in many places in the, in the world. And, you know, you might ask, if I'm, if I'm doing good, if I'm doing the right thing, uh, why would somebody want to hurt me? You know, why should I suffer if I'm doing good? And, and these are good questions. And Peter is going to look at this, this very issue in today's text. So it's 1 Peter three thirteen through 17, if you turn to your Bibles. 1 Peter three thirteen through 17. Read with me. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ might be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And so we're we're all going to suffer in one way or another, and we need to put uh, the situation into God's hands trusting in his, uh, his blessing, his, his holiness, and, and his will. Let's take these three things. The, the first thing is uh, to, to trust in God's blessing. Persecution, unjust perse- persecution brings blessing. You know, first Peter answers this, this rhetorical question, you know, who's, who's going to harm you if you're zealous for doing good? And, uh, you know, in a way, this is, this is an exhortation for us to do good, you know, to do what's right, because uh, normally this won't bring persecution, you know, and, and this makes sense, right? If, if, we're, uh, if we're kind and thoughtful and helpful, upright, when we, when we do what's beneficial for other people and, and show them kindness, you know, we're, we're likely to be okay with those people. That's how it should be. And Peter, Peter's talked in the previous section about uh, our, our heart attitude towards others. You know, that one verse, 1 Peter 2.17, where he says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, love one another. Or, excuse me, let me, let me start over. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the, the emperor. That, that sums it up really well. That's a good, that's a good, good guide for how we should uh, relate with everybody. You know, in, in our right relationship with God, uh, loving him with, with 
fear with reverential awe. You know, we need to show others love and honor. You know, we, we should be good citizens. We should be good family members. We should be good workers, good students, you know, in all our dealings with people. Uh, Paul in Ephesians 2.10 said that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, for good works. You know, it's, it's by God's design that we should be good people and, and avoid evil, being, being honest, seeking peace. And uh, that, that's some of what Peter quoted in last week's sermon from Psalm 34. Uh, and, and, you know, if this does not describe us, then we can probably expect that we're going to have trouble with others. You know, if, if we're looking for a fight, we're probably going to find a fight. You know, if we end up doing that, we're going we're gonna to suffer the, co- the consequences of, of our own behavior. But what happens when we, when we do good, when we, when we do what's right and just, and, and that brings persecution? You know, why might that happen? You know, first of all, we might be wrong about what we are doing, thinking it's right when it's not. You know, if it's, if it's our own righteousness and God's, not God's righteousness, it's self-righteousness. You know, it's quite possible to bring trouble on ourselves because we're uh, just being obnoxious. You know, saying and do things that, that really have nothing to do with God's righteousness. Now, I've got an example of this. When I was at uh, the university, Arizona State University, there was this, this one guy who came for about a week, older guy. He had this uh, crate that he carried around. And he, he set up his, his crate and stood up on it. And he had a Bible. And he started preaching very loudly in this, uh, this courtyard, this center area of, of the campus. And uh, you know, a couple of times I listened to the, to the guy speak. I thought, you know, this might be interesting. You know, you hear about soapbox preachers, and you don't really see them very often. You know, this this might be interesting. But uh, the more I listened to him, he he wasn't really preaching the good news of Christ. He was he was preaching a lot of his personal opinions mixed with legalism, mixed with just a lot of obnoxiousness. And it it got to where people were. Not very many, but a few people were throwing things at him. This this one young lady walked up to him and, and spit in his face, and he just he he seemed to be thriving on this this persecution that he that he was getting, but he was bringing it on himself. He was not preaching the good news of Jesus. He was really preaching something else. He didn't bring credit to the Lord and. You know, the point is, if, if, we're, if we are offensive, that's one thing. If we bring persecution on ourselves because we're being insufferable, we shouldn't be surprised. But if we do what is actually good, that's another thing altogether. <coughs> the thing is, we will offend people if we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about the, the offense of the cross. You know, Jesus was persecuted by those who did not like his message. He, he suffered and died at the hands of those who felt perhaps threatened. They, they felt their, their own power was being threatened. Paul talks about the offense of the cross, how it's a stumbling block 
to the Jews and how it's foolishness to the uh, Greeks. You know, the gospel itself is offensive to to somebody's pride. You know, people don't like to hear that they are sinful and that they're lost and that they're separated from God. People don't like to submit to God. And their, their aversion to the message, if it is truly the gospel, may bring pain on the messenger. And that's what Peter's talking about here. Peter had to have been writing with the memory of what Jesus said in Matthew 5:10 through 12. He said, "Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account." Rejoice and be glad, he said, "for your reward is great in heaven." For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And what's this, what's this blessing that Jesus is talking about? What is this blessing that, that Peter is talking about? You know, from Jesus, we know that it's the, uh, the kingdom of heaven and knowing that we have a reward in heaven. Just like those prophets Jesus mentioned who, who went before us in, in persecution for righteousness' sake. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness. We can't do this if we're seeking our own righteousness, our own kingdoms. When we seek his righteousness, though, we'll, we'll be concerned for the lost. And many won't understand Many will be annoyed at the offer of salvation. Most people prefer to live their lives uh, apart from God, you know, going, going their own way, even, even when it leads to uh, destruction. Some will be angry. Some will persecute the, uh, the bearers of, of the good news. And Jesus is saying here, that's okay. A servant is not greater than, than his master. They're going to persecute me. They're going to persecute you. If you're truly seeking my righteousness, you cannot go wrong. Well, most of us don't want to be persecuted. Nobody's disagreeing with me. You know, most of us want to live lives of of peace. We do. But if if we do suffer unjustly, you know, because of doing right or because of our, our witness for Jesus, we're, we're in good company. You know, it reminds me of uh, Stephen. Stephen, who was the, uh, the first Christian to be killed, the first martyr killed for his faith. Stephen speaks of those, to those, spe- Stephen speaks to those who are about to kill him. And he points out how the prophets in the Old Testament were, were treated. In Acts 7, 51 through 53, he said, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by the angels and did not keep it. You know, by the way, we've got brothers and sisters all over, 
not all over the world, but in many parts of the world who are being severely persecuted, some being murdered, some being tortured. Um, in, in a recent article on the, uh, the suffering church, FaithWorks uh, listed degrees of persecution, you know, starting from the mildest to the uh, most extreme, degrees of persecution one could uh, face for practice of religious faith. Let me read these. There's 17 of them. Uh, disapproval, ridicule, pressure to conform. Those are some we're likely to encounter. Those are some I have encountered through the years. Loss of educational opportunities, economic sanctions, shunning, alienation from community, loss of employment, loss of property, physical abuse, mob violence, harassment by officials, kidnapping, forced labor, imprisonment, physical torture, and finally murder or or execution. Some of those pretty mild, some of those pretty extreme, all of them persecution. And the writer of Hebrews, speaking of some of the some of our great heroes of faith, Hebrews eleven thirty five through thirty eight says some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they may rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. So many, many believers have suffered for the faith. Many are right now, this day. When we suffer, we need to maintain our our focus on Christ. We need to maintain perspective and honor Christ. That's the second point. So normally we can avoid suffering if we do good. Even if we do suffer for doing good, Peter says, don't be afraid of those who who cause the suffering. Don't be troubled about it. Keep Keep your perspective. Give Christ the honor. You know, let, let's, let's live our lives in a manner that uh, is Christ-honoring. Let him reign. You know, Peter's giving us an outline of what uh, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10, 16 through 28. He says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in the synagogues. You will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for you will, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will Deliver brother over to death and the father, his child and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. 
But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you have not, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, <coughs> excuse me, and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. <coughs> and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Long passage there, but God <coughs> God knows what's going on. He knows if we're suffering. Peter says, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. There's none like him. He's holy. We need to regard him with reverential awe. Acknowledging him, acknowledging him as the Lord of lords. King of kings, the Lord of our lives. He's the Lord over our, our circumstances, the Lord over our, our suffering. And we can absolutely trust him with the, uh, the outcome. <coughs> Remember how the Lord's prayer begins. Our Father... Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, honoring Christ as Lord, honoring him as holy. You know, it's it's coming to him in, in worship. It's coming to him, laying aside our cares, giving them to him. Giving our, our fleshly desires, laying them down before him. Fleshly desires like revenge and anger and hatred towards those who, who do us wrong. Honoring him is holy. You know, what set us what sets us apart from the rest of the world, it is that we have Christ. We're different. Paul, Peter started this letter out that way. You know, we're we're strangers. We're the elect exiles. We're the, the resident aliens in this world. We've been we've been called according to his purpose. You know, we, we can have an eternal perspective because we know that any suffering we encounter is just temporary. It's just for a short time. We have hope. We know that one day our tears will be gone. There's a beautiful passage in uh, Revelation 21, 3 through 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. (coughs) And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And Peter answered, always being prepared to make a defense. 
for the reason the hope is in you. People might see us ridiculed. They might see us laughed at. They might see us suffering in one way or another. We should always be ready to let them know why. It's for our Lord. Jesus said his disciples will be witnesses to him. You know, he, he told us to make disciples in the, in the Great Commission. It's, it's our responsibility to, to share about him, even if we suffer for it, ready to tell people what he's, what he's done for us, what he's done in our lives, and what he can do in theirs. We should be able to speak about sin and, and eternal separation from God, uh, such a such a dire consequence, and and the hopelessness and the futility of, of good works as a way of being right with God. You know, it's only through Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life that we can come to the Father. It's through His finished work on the cross, whereby the penalty of our sin has been paid. You know, we, should, we should be able to answer questions about these things, answer questions people might have about why we believe in God. When people have good questions for us, they, they deserve good answers. That's what, that's what Peter is saying. You know. But yet we need to do it with gentleness and respect. You know, I, I don't know a lot of people who have been uh, argued into the kingdom of heaven or have been abused into the kingdom of heaven. You know, Paul, Peter says our, our approach should be gentle and respectful. We need, we need to show people that they have value, that, that God loves them. You know, we need to listen to their questions. Never putting ourselves above anybody. You know, people need to be treated with dignity and honor. When we lived in Kalispell, one, one Saturday afternoon, Chris and I were going somewhere. We were driving through town, and, oh, there was some kind of festival going on in the, uh, the city square, in the, the park there downtown. We thought, oh, let's, let's have fun. You know, let's, let's stop and see what's going on. And we got out of the car and realized, oh, it's a uh, pride parade and festival. You know, rainbow stuff all over the place. And... Um, Maybe we'll get back in the car. But before we did that, we noticed there was this one guy on the sidewalk. He had a sandwich board and a bullhorn, and he was screaming at these people about how much God hates them and just, you know, just spewing this, this vitriol and, and hatred. That is not gentleness and, and respect. I was with him in disagreeing with with the lifestyle that they were celebrating. That didn't bother me. What bothered me was the way he was trying to share the good news. I, I was embarrassed, actually. You know, a good example of uh, gentleness and respect was the Apostle Paul on Mars Hill. But he was speaking to uh, these these Greek pagans on the Aragop in the midst of the Aragopas. Acts seventeen twenty two through thirty one.
Paul says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you're very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each of us, for... And he quotes a a pagan philosopher here. In him we live and move and have our being, as some of your poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not think that a divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by art, an imagination of man. And he goes on, speaking with respect for these people. Yeah, he he didn't rail at them for being pagans and worshiping false gods. You know, he he began where they were and moved towards the the good news of Jesus, gentleness and respect, showing showing honor to to his hearers. And as long as we honor Christ as as holy, doing what's right, we can have a good conscience. That's Point number three, Peter says, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So what what is it to have a good conscience? I think the first time I heard of the word conscience was uh, from Jiminy Cricket. The writer of Hebrews in 13, 18 asks the readers, Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. You know, we have a clear conscience when we act honorably with integrity, doing the right thing. You know, Paul treated these these pagans honorably with a good conscience. They they were pagans. They had pagan morals. They worship false gods. But he took the time to uh, consider where they were coming from. So if we act honorably, we can be good with our consciences, can't we? Knowing that our, our suffering is not something we're bringing on ourselves. Peter continues, and he's asking for prayer on, on the basis of good conscience. Um, by the way, the conscience is defined as the inward faculty of distinguishing right and wrong. It's moral consciousness. It's our, our sense of right and wrong. Uh, some have called it our, our moral compass. Peter's saying that what comes before, honoring Christ as, as holy, being ready to give a defense of our hope with gentleness and respect is tied to having a clear conscience. They go together. We'll know, we'll know if our motives are pure. 
will know that we're not doing anything for uh, building up ourselves, self-exaltation, but for the love of Christ, for the love and the respect of, of others. Then we don't have anything to worry about. We can leave matters to God. If someone insults us or slanders us, it's okay. You know, our, our behavior, our, our purposes are good. We've got, a, we've got a good conscience. And perhaps the slanderer someday will feel the shame of, of the slandering. We don't have to fight. We don't have to argue. And Peter returns to his previous point. He says, it's better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. And notice that he points out that if we do suffer for doing good, having clean conscience, having a clear conscience, we can trust God. If it's his will, we can rest assured that we're in his will, we're in his hands. You know, many, time God, many times God lets us go through these things, lets us go through trials and, and being reviled. And even in parts of the world where, where our brothers and sisters are being killed. He's letting it happen for a reason. He is, he is holy. He is Lord. He's sovereign. He allows us to go through trials so that we will grow. He, he allows us to experience adversity as a lesson to us, to teach us and, and to help us become stronger, to further conform us to the, uh, the image of Christ, who, who is our example in, in suffering. You know, he, we, need, we need to trust him. We need to trust him that, that he knows better than we do what's good for us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And we need to stay connected to him, seeking him, calling out to him, you know, listening to what, what he has to say, both from his word and perhaps from the experience of, of the trial itself. Let's wrap this up. So if we suffer, maybe I should say when we when we suffer, it should not be because we've done wrong. You know, if we're suffer if we're suffering for doing good, we need to put the situation into God's hands. He knows the situation, he knows the injustice, and he'll bless us in, in the midst of, of the trial. You know, his his intention for us is good, not harm. And and I know it's hard, you know, when we're when we're when we're in the middle of a trial, it's it's difficult, it's unpleasant. Uh, many times it doesn't make sense to us when it's happening. But he's he's promised us he'll he'll never leave us, nor will he forsake us. So let's let's keep our eyes on him, knowing his goodness, his holiness, and in the midst of suffering. We, we need to, to really hold on tightly to our, our faith in him. You know, we, need, we need to be able to let people know our hope is in him, is in Jesus Christ. We need to stand strong as, as his witnesses. We need to um, maintain our integrity, our, our good conscience before a watching world. And who knows, maybe God will uh, use our example to bring someone to him down the road. Let's pray. Uh, our Father, we, uh, we thank you for your grace, which is sufficient 
for us, no matter what, what the circumstances are, uh, Lord, we want to give you the honor as being our holy,